welcome once again to the Political Profundity Podcast, brought to you by Modern Times Magazine, John Guzon and Karen Weil. Hello, Karen. Afternoon. Today, Karen and I are going to be talking about the same wide variety of political subjects, as uh, as well as maybe um, you know maybe traipsing out of the political realm and into just our daily lives. Um, but on our docket today is uh, the the impeachment news, uh, the new news from last week. Um, and then we're going to be talking specifically about uh, Rudy Giuliani, although that's somewhat impeachment related. But we're going to be talking about the new aspects that came out early this or in the middle of this week. Um, some Ukrainians arrested and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, and then we're going to be talking about Syria and what we're titling the Syrian sickness um, and what has gone on there. Um, and then we're going to move over to something that we left out last week is the uh, stock market, the economy, um, what's going on and what uh, everyone sees there. Um, and then we're going to do our little quick hits today are going to be on um, so, you know, something close to my home in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Maricopa County. Um, the assessor was arrested for uh, trafficking in unborn children, I think would be the right way to put it. Um, and um, then we're going to go over to Hong Kong and talk a little bit about those democratic protests, what's happened new there. Um, and lastly, we're going to go to where Karen is involved and what's going on with PG&E's uh, rotating blackouts um, based upon wind and safety, of course. But Karen, um, you know, it. Donald Trump's impeachment uh, rolled down the hill. Um, did not stop. Um, looks like he hit a couple rocks today, but they're not slowing him down. He just keeps going down, maybe a little bit more bruised and bloody than he was the moment before. Um, you know, uh, uh, Congress was on recess this week. Um, the intelligence community was still supposedly doing its work. We didn't hear much. Um, but obviously work is still going on and new news is coming out. And every day it seems, um, you know, even polls are showing that uh, most Americans are, are now in support of impeachment and removal. No, but other than that, it looks like it's it's a, a nonstop train heading to uh, the depot. Well, certainly at this point. Um, <clears throat> and again, let's just back up here a little bit, if I may. After Robert Mueller testified in July, it, it just seemed like that did not have the impact some thought it was going to. Uh, because the entire matter with Russian interference and the Trump campaign, extraordinarily complex. It was just an extraordinary complex issue, and it was not easy, I think, for a lot of people to understand. And I don't want to let you know. Let, Mueller, and I don't want to let out on on on, on Bill Barr being able to uh, do what he did in order correct. to, you know, yeah, correct. And you know, again, one day after Mueller testified. Donald Trump decides to get on the phone with the president of Ukraine, um, basically to say, we want dirt on Joe Biden. We'll give you something in return. Not something a U.S. president is supposed to be doing in any way, shape, or form. So you think about between July when everybody kind of thought, okay, Donald Trump is still terrible, but it doesn't seem like there's going to be any formal way to remove him from office to while the Senate is the wild card here, he's in a whole lot of trouble that he wasn't even a few months ago. And when you have a Fox news poll, John, mm-hmm. with a slim majority, certainly not 70, 80%, you're right. never going to get that on most issues in this country. 
But when you have 51% of the respondents saying, yes, it's time to impeach Donald Trump and remove him, something truly incredible is happening. And it is because this is easy for people to understand. Again, Trump emboldened by what he thought was uh, a feckless report regarding his campaign and, and Russian interference. So emboldened to the point where he's going to call a, the leader of a country, which has had its own share of problems, basically because of who its neighbor is, which is Russia, and demand what he did. And that's, I mean, it's, it's quid pro quo, more or less. And so far, all of the bluster aside, all of his sycophants, both in his, in his administration and the DOJ and in certain elements of the news media, you know, Donald Trump has not been able to merit to, to present a coherent defense whatsoever on this. Uh, it's simply not, it gets, it's also just because he can't and also because he is so unstable and almost childlike and not in a good way when it comes to you know, the responsibility he has on in this to defend himself, and he, he's not capable of it. And, you know, the White House can declare war on the House all at once, i.e. the House of Representatives, and specifically Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats were with her on this. But it's it just, again, you're now seeing these national polls, which to me is really the mo- one of the most important parts of all of this. When enough people are saying, we know, we understand what's going on here and we're not okay with it. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's funny because one of the things the Trump people are claiming, oh, this is an effort to overturn the 2016 election. You know, some of Bill Clinton's camp claimed that in 98. It, it didn't work then either. Mm-hmm. Um, this has nothing to do with, and, and Clinton, by the way, did a hell of a lot better in both his elections than Trump did in his. Remember, this man barely won in 2016 by 77,000 votes in the Electoral College. And to this day, it's questionable whether those were legitimate either. Yeah. And again, those were 77,000 um, votes placed in states, which gave him the Electoral College victory. But he still lost as far as the national vote tally goes. Right. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, just to make by it clear. Million. Right. Right. <laughs> and, you know, other presidents had far more decisive wins which is why just for Donald Trump to still be, because he's talked about this with world leaders, like they would really give a damn about his incredible victory in 2016. It wasn't. It was one of the poorest showings ever for somebody to, you know, to win that office. But I, I, I just, again, you're watching somebody who, and yeah, we're not rid of him, okay? He's still there. He's still able to, unfortunately, make decisions every day, most of which, and we're going to talk about one later, are going to have horrific consequences, not just in this, not really even for this nation, but more, you know, for the Middle East and really for the world. But I, I, I'm just, it's, it's interesting to me that his, his attorney, Pat, I think you pronounce his name, Cipollone, or if I butcher that, excuse me, which it just basically sounds like a Trump campaign speech, saying we're not going to cooperate at all, neener, neener, neener. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm sorry to say, you know, if, if it seems unfair to sum it up, but honestly, when you read it, that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I, and I'll, 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 I'll harken back again to 1998 with Bill Clinton. 
we know what happened with him. He lied under oath because he couldn't, you know, he couldn't keep it in his pants, well, more or less. Yeah, but he couldn't also that admit entirely... that he couldn't keep it in his pants, right? He couldn't admit that. <laughs> that was his big problem. Right, exactly. Exactly. And again, that was small potatoes compared to what we've seen Small. With this administration, yeah, small potatoes compared rate, to small mushrooms. Is that what you're saying here, Karen? I'm sorry, I couldn't. Oh man, I couldn't help it. Oh, oh no, John, you have a you would have a future in a Vegas lounge, and I am happy to vouch for you <laughs> anytime. You'd be awesome. Thanks, At baby. Any rate, you're welcome. Clinton's administration more or less cooperated. Now they fought a few things, but in other words, that people testified, they turned over documents, they did what they were supposed to. Clinton went and just you know was subpoenaed by. Ken Starr. He even gave blood. Uh, you know, I'm surely, yeah, he, and he, you know, he, that's when he lied, and surely he must have known. I'm not telling the truth here. And he was deposed but, uh, several again, times. He was deposed right. several times. I mean, he he met with investigators. Right. It, but, and you, you've seen, even in the past, you've seen uh, during Iran-Contra, Ronald Reagan's administration, for the most part. And again, there's an administration where we know clearly wrongdoing happened, um, Ronald Reagan escaped from it, although I, I think to this day his legacy has, has never been quite the same because of it. But they still cooperated, too. But you now have an, an administration that is so – that just has absolutely no regard in any way, shape, or form for the rule of law, for this country's basic values, or for the American people. Yeah. Because and, and why? Because you know damn well that they're guilty of a lot of it. And, and that's where that's where it stands to me, John. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to say. No, no, no. I I am completely with you on most of these topics here, and 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 you know I I think just to adding on to what you said, um, as what we found out is that you know Trump is basically running the White House by himself, um, and and when you get to that sort of situation where you have the largest and and biggest superpower in the globe being run by one narcissistic. Um, uh, gentleman um, who doesn't even do White House press briefings anymore. Um, he's he's running his own policy. He has his own personal State Department in, Ru- in Rudy Giuliani, it seems like. Um, that's what we end up getting, I think, is a guy who thinks he can create any rule he wants. In, and he's been um, emboldened by the fact that he got William Barr to be his attorney general, who we've talked about on this podcast many times. The, the biggest danger that he always brought to the role was that he thought that presidents should have unlimited and unsurpassed power in the United States which uh, I think we've learned over, um, if, if we've learned anything over the last three years, it's been that you need checks and balances. They're there for a reason, and, and they're there for the good of the country. Um, you know, and, but, you know, back to the specific impeachment, um, you know, issues, um, there's obviously not any um, uh, cooperation going on. Um, there's been a lot of reports about what happened with that, with the memo that they call a transcript, at least the Republicans like to call a transcript. Um, but there's a lot of time missing. Supposedly it was like a, you know, a 20 minute, 30 minute phone call, but there's only 10 minutes of what the mem- uh, the memorandum says that they, t- uh, what they discussed. Um, information like that, what's gone on with Sondland, um, the, uh, uh, ambassador to the EU, why he's involved, mm-hmm. um, what happened with Volcker, what happens now with, you know, Pompeo didn't turn over all of his documents. He's not going to be testifying. Um, uh, you know, it just goes, it seems to go on and on now how they're not going to give any information, just saying that, oh, this is uh, unprecedented, un- unprecedented, the president shouldn't have to do this. 
um, does not um, uh, soothe, I don't think, anybody, including Congress, um, Republicans and Democrats, whether Republicans are out on the soapbox screaming or not. But you know that they don't like it. Most of them were the ones who were screaming that there wasn't um, uh, uh, agreement or easy sharing from uh, Benghazi or Fast and Furious. But that's child's play compared to this. Um, they were still trying to give things over, maybe you know, meeting it out at different levels or finding other information. But it wasn't like this where Obama was just like, look, I'm not talking to you. Um, that just never happened. It's never happened before, and a president stayed um, or was able to stay. I mean, what Nixon tried to do when it found out that there was tapes and you had to turn them over, he was done. Um, and, you know, it was just the denial that that even existed and they couldn't prove it. Um, you know, but he's down that road. I mean, and, and, and the Democrats have said, and we know what's gone on, is that they're going to consider this obstruction. And if he doesn't turn it over, they're going to have to answer to it. Um, and so, you know, again, it's, it's rolling downhill. It's going to be interesting what the rest of October holds. And, in, you know, everybody's going to probably be talking about this over Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and then the impeachment hearing is going to start after that and be over by Christmas. That's my prediction at this point. And we're actually going to see people. Uh, the last little bit I wanted to, to allude to and then maybe turn it over to you. and Maybe I can get your comment on that. And then you can go on to any other topic on impeachment. But um, do you really see the ability for um, for Trump to really kind of you know, keep this going um, to that level. Um, and, and if he does, um, you know, is is he doomed amongst the GOPers too for being obstructive in the long run? I Look, I, th- Donald Trump is never going to cooperate because Donald Trump knows he's guilty. And again, let, another thing I'll say here, and I've said it before on this podcast, which just, it, it's another thing that should, just should, we should not having would not have to deal with this. We have somebody who has to run for office. Otherwise, he's going to be indicted by the state of New York. Never mind what's going on federally. Right. I mean, again, the only reason this guy, because he clearly doesn't care about the job, he's lazy, he's only in it to make money, and otherwise, he certainly doesn't give a damn about doing anything that truly matters for the, you know, this country's well-being. I, you know, we, we know that already. But just to remind people, this guy is running because he wants to stay out of jail. Just think about that for a few moments. And don't tell me, I'm not talking to you, that that's normal. No, it isn't. Mm-hmm. We have never had anyone this compromised, this corrupt, this venial, or venial, I'm pronouncing the word wrong, mm-hmm. In this office before, not like this, not even Richard Nixon. Right. And, you know, Nixon at least, and I, I, you know, we're a little young for Watergate. A lot of people who remember Nixon very well, and there's no question he was nobody's idea of a decent, in terms of, of his intentions or, or moral president in that respect. He was very smart, and he had a few good pieces of, of legislation, but very paranoid and willing to break the law. We know that. Um, But look, when the Supreme Court wouldn't, you know, told him you've got to release the tapes, he had, he cared enough, I suppose, and maybe because he had a sense of shame to leave. Donald Trump doesn't give a damn about how much damage he inflicts on this nation. So it's, you know, he's not going to leave unless I suppose, you know, this, because recently Newsweek, there was an article 
that was, and I suspect it came from someone in his camp floating the idea that he'd be willing to resign if he got full immunity for himself and his kids, i.e., you know, Don Jr., Eric, and, and Ivanka, all of whom have extraordinarily suspicious business dealings all over the world um, because they've coasted on their daddy's name. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, eventually, you know, you have only have so many courts that can rule on this, and then it goes to the Supreme Court. Now, that's – we're not dealing with the 1974 Supreme Court here, obviously. We're dealing with one now that has become extraordinarily divided. You know, you have five Republican appointees, two of whom, I will say this, have, should not be on that court at all, and that's Neil Gorsuch and certainly Brett Kavanaugh. I do not expect that either one of them would really show much independence against, you know, against Trump. I, I, you know, I don't think Alito would, and certainly Thomas wouldn't. Maybe Roberts might, because I suspect on some level he cares about the legacy of his court and not looking like a GOP puppet. But, you know, that still, you know, still makes you pretty nervous that you've got to put all your hopes on him. So, I, I, you know, you've got to wonder, will they actually do the right thing and tell Trump, no, you're not above the law. Richard Nixon wasn't. Bill Clinton wasn't. We didn't agree with Barack Obama on things or, or George W. Bush. Sometimes we're not, you know, you have to cooperate here. So yeah. I, we're just we're in such uncharted territory, John. And we're in, by the way, I know the term has been bandied about. But it, but now it really is official. We're in a constitutional crisis because Trump is not cooperating at all. So I, there, you know, again, I'll just say there could be that weird dynamic. There could be that one little thing that so damages Trump that he would probably have no choice but to cooperate. Yeah, you know, I agree with you that, you know, you had you have uh, 25 senators walk up there and tell him that he's done. Um, I think he leaves, hmm. but, um, but, oh, you know, I mean, I think if you know, that were the case, yeah. yeah, you know, that's a, that's a different, you know, discussion. I mean, obviously there's been news reports that he's paranoid and he talks to McConnell every day. I think he, you know, somewhere inside of him, he's hoping that they, that they walk up uh, Pennsylvania Avenue and, uh, give him his notice. But anyway, um, you know, uh, you know, you kind of alluded to what other things might drop. And I think, you know, there are other two topics that we have for today um, kind of lead into and it's you've been seeing then the GOP erosion of support for Trump. Let's take the, the Giuliani thing first. But before we even get to that, we wanted to talk about, you know, we had it on our list. Just wanted to mention even Rick Perry now has been subpoenaed. Um, probably not going to agree yeah. to uh, turn over documents or testify. Um, he was kind of being scapegoated um, at some point. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Perry. But he's the most recent oh, right. executive branch secretary, uh, cabinet level guy who is now in the crosshairs of Congress because of this whole Ukrainian deal. Um, but let's talk yeah. about the other but, but about the Ukrainian arrests, which happened yesterday um, that specifically tie these gentlemen into, I mean, to Rudy Giuliani and even uh, Donald Trump. Um, and I'll read the uh, lead from the USA Today, which, um, you know, kind of caught me off guard. And, and I, I think it's interesting that people haven't been uh, saying this uh, as many times as uh, they've been mentioning this arrest and just tying it to Giuliani. But um, the, the lead to the USA Today was two Ukrainian-born business partners who showered Republican campaign committees with nearly... $500,000, and this is the important part, and dined with President Donald Trump at the White House. 
were charged Tuesday in connection with alleged schemes to funnel foreign money to U.S. political campaigns, federal authorities said Thursday. Now, my I was shocked at that. The second one that I said, I, hold on, Barr's Justice Department is investigating these guys? And then you say, okay, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the uh, Southern District of New York. Um, maybe they're independent. I know that Barr stopped over there to talk to those guys earlier this week. Um, it seems like um, who knows what's going on, but obviously Barr had a heads up. Um, it seems like Giuliani didn't because there's also reports that people saw Giuliani with these two guys at the Trump International in D.C. yesterday, um, just a few hours before they were arrested at the airport. Uh, a strange, weird story. Um, you know, there I saw a, a, a congressman uh, from Florida, I believe, on uh, um, on the on the television today talking about why there's pictures of him with one of these gentlemen. I guess they went around to as many GOPers as they could to try to curry influence. Um, and it seems like more of this Russian dirty tricks campaign, um, tarring people, just you know, uh, you know, corruptly, you know. Spending into you know Republican campaigns, it's not over. When when Mueller said it, when Reyes said it, when um, Dan Coats used to say it, um, the you know the Russians are still meddling, and we have somebody in the White House who's not willing to do anything about it besides say it's somebody else's fault. Um, but specifically, I don't want to take it off of of, of these two guys, uh, Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman. Um, they helped Giuliani meet the Ukrainian prosecutor, um, and they gave him more information. And they also were here in the United States funneling money. Seems like um, it's it's rotten at the core at this point. And this just seems to me to be that other, you know, the the next cliff in Donald Trump's uh, roll down the impeachment hill. Um, I don't know. What are your uh, notions, reactions to the arrest, and 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 what it might mean? You know, I guess my first observation, John, and, and you think about it, when we were in high school or college, not so long ago. Yeah. And now we've been, you know, the Cold War has been over for roughly 30 or so years. And really it started, I'd say, mid-80s when Mikhail Gorbachev became the leader of mm-hmm. then the Soviet Union. Did you ever think that eventually this country long the communist, you know, our Cold War adversary and enemy and the communist behemoth, where you never thought things would change or not like that. But did you ever imagine this country and, and, and its sort of satellite nations around it would end up having such a destructive, and that's the only word I can think of here, role on our, on our politics? I, I never in a million years would I have thought such a thing. Yeah, well, and you here know, we are I'm, now. You know, knowing, it's, you know, when... Just, when 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 Putin became uh, president, um, I did worry that all bets were off because I don't think they ever had such an operative uh, running a country before. He runs it like that's it's right. his own his yeah. own KGB. I mean, he's he's basically you know that's 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 his that's his foreign policy is let's just run dirty tricks yeah. on everybody. Sorry if I'm interrupting. Yeah, you. no, no, it's and it's fine. And another thing I want to say, and I, it's interesting to me. You know, I know that. The Bush administration, God knows we've piled on enough about them. But another thing that's annoying about the Bush administration is basically they paid absolutely no attention to Vladimir Putin when he started ramping up, you know, his dirty tricks 
and other horrible things and accumulating power. Remember, Bush said he looked into his eyes and saw, you know, his soul or some insane thing that was laughable then and is especially laughable now. And I, I just think it's unfortunate that no one in that administration maybe thought, you know, maybe Russia is becoming more of a problem than we imagined. I, at any rate, you know, we're talking almost 20 years ago now, but I, every time I think too, John, this just can't get any more bizarre, corrupt, unsettling. It, you know, it does. All right. Yeah. And the, what yeah, was interesting, you saw, yeah, you, you saw Trump today in one of his usual, you know, verbal diarrhea, you know, joke of a press conferences when he's screaming at reporters now saying, oh, he doesn't know these men. Well, they had dinner with him and there are pictures of him with at least one of them. I don't know if it's Parnas or Fruman. So, again, as usual, uh, you know, like a broken record, I say he's lying. And it's interesting, too, you've seen Trump now start to distance himself from Giuliani, which I think if I were really Giuliani, I'd be pretty worried about that because I, I, you know, if Giuliani honestly believes Trump would not throw him under a bus the very first chance he got, he's really stupid. And I, I have to say something about Rudy Giuliani. I just, again, it's where you look at this guy and think, what happened? Where did things go so wrong for you? And, and Giuliani's record has never been, perfect to begin with. As a mayor of New York, he was combative and, and there were a lot of controversial policies. And many people credit him for, him for helping to sort of clean up the city and and certainly, you know, help it recover from the September 11th, 2001 attacks, although there were criticisms of what, about how Giuliani, Giuliani handled certain security measures with that. But you know, this was a guy who was America's mayor, right? He was Times Person of the Year in 2001. And now he he just you see him on TV. I, I again I, I I swear to God you just you couldn't even write a you couldn't make something like this up about the incredible web here. And and what I find interesting too is Giuliani seems to think I mean he's refusing to cooperate with Congress. He's not part of the Trump administration. He has no protection. So again I I realize with Congress and I I. I know the criticisms aside, people keep saying, oh, the sergeant at arms should arrest all these people. Okay, well, you can do that, but then because of who runs that, and that's the DOJ, you know, they'll be out of, of uh, custody in no time. So I, I don't know how much effect that really has, but Giuliani, I think, to some degree, has even less protection than others in Trump's. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, he's trying here. to. I think and, he's trying to also claim attorney-client privilege, um, which is then his, you know, his his end-all, be-all. But um, I agree with you. I don't think he's got. Um, he doesn't have as much of a legal leg to stand on if if his testimony is compelled by a judge. Um, but but I don't think any of them do once they get to that point. And you know, we might be at the same spot of of uh, impeachment um, that that they were in the Nixon. Um, times where the Supreme Court finally rules you can't just stonewall you have to go and at that point it's all right the gig's up right and I mean another thing about these two men who've been arrested by the way they bought airline tickets they were going to try to flee the country 
I mean, literally, it was sort of a, a yeah, supposedly you know, they movie weren't climax gonna re- in the making. Yes, yeah, 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 so, like when- supposedly they weren't planning on arresting them until they found out, because they were probably being surveilled, that they were going to leave the country. So then they went and arrested right. them. I mean, literally, that's that's the plot of any uh, suspense thriller. You know, just in time, here come, here come uh, the feds, you know, to bust the, the alleged bad guys. I mean, but also what I, you know, I, I'm going to be curious to see, John, if, if we've seen there's reporting that these they gave money to Representative Pete Sessions, a Republican from Texas. Uh, they, there's a photo of them, you know, with Don Trump Jr., because, you know, he's got a lot of sense and knows how to stay away from, you know, questionable folks, Weird right? Eastern Europeans, uh, sure. And, 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 you know, they've donated money to a pro-Trump PAC. And I, I suspect we're not, you know, I, we haven't heard the last of their dealings with members of Congress. Um, so, I, you know, this is another spider web that's coming out of this whole morass. But these are really bad metaphors I'm in, analogies I'm making here. Excuse me. Oh. Uh, Rachel Maddow would school me for good. Uh, but I, I just, you'd I mean, like that, it is, Karen. You'd like it. Horrendous web of... of Crimin, you know, alleged criminality in some cases, you know, proven criminality, and it just never ends. It's it's um, there's a what's called a tone that just keeps going, I, I, and I forget the term for that. It's again just astonishing uh, that we're in, we're living in this period right now, and I you know I, I I suspect we're only this is the tip of the iceberg with these two guys who got nabbed today. Now, you know whether they're going to talk. Uh, that remains to be seen, um, but but I just again, it's one more thing that, in the mind of the public, just further provides some evidence that Donald Trump just is not on the up and up. Yeah, and a lot of those that Bush... hasn't been obvious for years. Yeah. but and a lot of those Bush Republicans um, uh, who voted for Trump just because he was in the same party. Are, are are slowly eroding and slowly losing their uh, uh, giving their support to Donald Trump. Um, you know, and the other but, interesting thing that that you know w- what's going on with Rudy Giuliani too is the stuff that came out about Tillerson specifically talking about um, you know that deal with the uh, Turkish uh, gentleman who is. Um, they were trying to get you know, charges dropped and dealing with things, and Tillerson saying that it breaks the law. That opens up a whole other aspect of what they're doing under the guise of the office of the president of the United States. Um, but it's just another black mark, and and I think you're right. They're all um, starting to tarnish. Um, I think his 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 gleaming support and the shininess of his base. I think they you know everybody's starting to see this again. You know we know what happens, but. Um, you know, before we move on to Syria, which again I think is the biggest case of why some of the you know GOPers in Congress might just cut and run because they're not giving him, they're not giving them what they really want now, which is to control foreign policy. Um, they already, uh, the Trump administration already you know screwed them on Khashoggi and and and, and letting the Saudi Arabians off the hook with that. Um, and now with what went on with the Kurds and 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 Turkey invading Syria. They're really not giving them what it's worth. Um, but before I just turn over Syria to you specifically, the last thing we were ta- I want to talk about with talking about Trump and Eastern Europeans, uh, you know, his yeah. first wife, Eastern European, his second um, also, um, 
you know, well, third, I mean, Melania is his third wife. I mean, it's, right, you know, right, you lose sorry. count after no, no, second, so many. Second, um, second Eastern European wife. Um, second, um, yes. The only one that didn't last very long was the American. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really, um, you know, throwing anything on there, but, uh, you know, it just, the sympathies, I think the way that you look at people, the way that you judge that sort of thing, we know what, you know, what happened with Fred Trump and even his grandfather, um, you know, it's just, I think there's a sympathetic tie, the way they want to do business. I think they're all a mafia kind of thought, um, you know, growing up in, in uh, New York in real estate business, I'm sure didn't help him. Um, and, and right. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse anything. But again, like we've said hundreds of times in this podcast, why that's, you know, more indicative of you need to have a political office or a high military career before you ever even get thought of to be the president. And, you know, people need to learn from this. And hopefully it never happens again, because if he ended up being a governor or a senator somewhere, all of this would have tarnished him before he ever ran for president. You know, it would have been clear that he was unfit. Um, and so we have to get back there again. But again, um, back to our next topic, uh, Syria. I think it's been tarnishing, um, you know, what's going on. It looks like there's more defectors from that. And they're finally just like, yeah, I'm not going to defend him of his other stuff when he's pulling this crap. Um, and it does seem like now it's taking on, it's influencing how they see the other issues. It's it 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 seems like Syria has impacted how a lot of the GOPers are looking at the Ukraine deal, looking at, at election meddling, looking at corruption in the in the uh, in the administration, and you know what? I mean, this might be it just because of that. But any more foreign policy gaffes, and it seems like okay, we're going to use the Ukraine thing as our excuse, and you're gone. How do you, are you, are you right. seeing any of that kind of tidal wave? Because that's what it feels like to me. Well, look, this happened Sunday night, late. I, I was, you know, checking on Twitter and seeing that they just made this decision for, for seemingly no, that I could, that I could discern, John, valid reason She's just going to take the troops out of Syria and let the Kurds stand on their own. Well, you know, it was because the Kurds and, didn't help us in Normandy. That's that's right. <laughs> right. Well, actually, <laughs> Kurdish, Kurdish. There were Kurdish people who did I, I'm just, fight yeah. with the U.S. in World War II. But, but, but you know what I'm saying. And, I'm, you know, I mean, it's the basic no, idea that Trump <laughs> was coming out with saying, "Hey, it's their land. <laughs> they need to do it on their own. We don't need to use, you know, lose our American lives." But again, as you mentioned, no real. Um, tactical um, uh, foreign policy reasons to do it besides you want to open up the door to, uh, again for, uh, as we know, and we've talked about on this podcast before, Russia and Syria have their oil deal. Um, it's, it's, it's their country. Like he's just ceding it to the Soviet Union or, sorry, to Russia uh, and, you know, a mistake made on purpose to Russia and to Syria um, and, and you know, maybe even provoking Iran. Um, but no real good foreign policy reason for the U.S. And I think that's the point you're making, right? Correct. And, and now this, again, it, this has been alleged, but and, and I, I say that cautiously, but at the same time, given it to Trump, you can't help but believe it might be true. Basically, Trump made this decision after a call with uh, Erdogan, the you know also a dictator who's the leader of Turkey, and basically the inference is Trump is doing this because he wants to protect property he has there in Istanbul. 
So basically, and if this is true, he is selling out the Kurdish people, again, for his bottom line, regardless of the human rights catastrophe that could happen here. In fact, Turkey has already sent uh, fighters over there. And one story I saw, several hundred people are dead now. Now, reportedly, they were... Uh, you know, Kurdish military types. But again, we don't really know if that's true. And uh, it's very hard to trust anything coming from the Turkish government as well on this. But just again, there was absolutely no reason whatsoever for this, for Trump to make this decision. There was, you know, we have long been supportive of the Kurdish people. To the credit of the Bush administration, even though Iraq was a debacle now and forever, they did make some efforts to help Kurds in that country. And and this is why you've seen Republicans react, although it's a little bit amusing to watch some of them walk a tightrope. People like Lindsey Graham, who's carried so much water for Trump, he could be his pull boy. I mean, there's my bad joke on that. <laughs> um, and, and Liz Cheney, another one who, you know, we all know who her father is. And, and frankly, Dick Cheney is more to blame for, you know, the, the, the dis- you know, the disaster the Middle East became uh, during the Bush administration than anyone else. You know, she, even she has come out and, and, and I'd say strongly criticized Trump. So another element of this, of course, was I think I suspect some of these senators are concerned because there are Christians who are going to be affected by this as well. Um, and it's not just, of course, Kurdish people. And so, I mean, fine, whatever gets them there where they're saying to Trump, you know, what the hell are you doing and you need to stop, fine. Um, I, but again, this is a, a, a foreign policy and humanitarian crisis that did not have to happen but for Trump's just pure, mechanical, greedy ways. There's no other way to say it yeah. right now. And, yeah, Trump claims, oh, we'll really punish the Turks. I, you know, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Um, given he did all his admiration for somebody like Erdogan, uh, I, I doubt that. Um, yeah. No you know, way. And, you know, it was almost, you know, the idea of uh, even Trump talking, hey, um, a lot of these ISIS fighters will go back to Europe. I mean, there was all this. You know, he's almost like like it's spiteful, like he's hoping that they go and raise hell. Um, you know, and and as you mentioned, you know, there's no direct correlation. There's no been, there's been no evidence about um, you know what's going on with his with his towers in Istanbul. Um, but it's 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 always been obvious that that's kind of what he's looking at, and and it just shows you why he's unfit. I think that because he has those entanglements, it makes one automatically think that he is entangled for these other financial reasons, because he likely is, um, because he didn't um, disengage from his business and said, why do I have to? People you know, voted for me because of who I am. Well, because being president's full-time job, sir. Um, you know, And you can't do it with any kind of conflict of interest, and, and you might have one. And people don't know it. They might take advantage of you. We don't know. Um, but again, you know, I know that there's, uh, there's been plenty of reports about, uh, special forces and other folks who were there actually making sure that the Kurds were protected. The ones who were embedded with them, the ones who are looking at the border and what keeping the Turkish out are now really, really, really angry. Um, one, because they lost some friends doing that just for it to be over. Um, 
but we don't really know um, what the end game is here, why he's doing it. But, you know, politically, um, it does seem to have weakened him amongst the GOP. I mean, Lindsey Graham came out and spanked him, uh, you know, as much as he's he's saying, oh, no one's going to impeach this president for this and that and this and that. Um, he wasn't very happy about Syria. And you have to think that, you know, he wasn't even consulted um, over the weekend. He had no idea it was coming. He was blindsided. You have to wonder how long these guys are going to support and that it makes the fight uh, to get him out. It makes the evidence that's needed in order for these guys to be swayed to vote yes to impeach and to uh, convict him in the Senate isn't as far off as it might have seemed a month ago. Did you, I mean, do you feel that that political calculation is still there, regardless of, of the horrible situation these people are being put in? Right. The, just the, the, you know, the humanitarian nightmare and uh, of it aside, I, I, obviously, yeah, this is something I think you've seen enough Republicans not happy about. And look, we've seen and read and heard these stories ever since this whole you know, this whole thing started with Trump. A lot of the GOP really doesn't like him because he's a bad person. Okay, there's no reason to like him. Um, never mind how incompetent, how corrupt, how how just nasty he is in this job. Um, and, you know, I, many of them would probably break away from him, but for, again, the base. That's why you saw, you know, you saw footage today of Cory Gardner, the senator from Colorado, who's really in a lot of trouble in terms of getting reelected next year, sort of dancing again, this weird, uh, you know, line about Trump, because again, he doesn't dare offend Trump because he's got to get reelected in a primary. Although I suspect once he, Susan Collins, maybe Tillis of, of North Carolina and Ernst of Iowa, once they've gotten to their primaries, if Trump is still around by that time, Watch them run the other way from him as far as possible in the general, right. because Trump's poll ratings in Colorado, Maine, and, and North Carolina, they're not that great. And they, even in Iowa, they're, they're not particularly good. So, you know, they're, they're not going to be cuddling up to him. Um, I, I, I think, again, whatever politically is, is making these people wake up to this, fine. But, you know, now they have to follow through and... Um, I, I think, like I said, some of the pretzel twisting we've seen, you know, that's not going to cut it. So, so I, I just, we'll, we'll see how far a lot of these COP, you know, politicians are willing to go to, to actually take Trump on and hold them accountable. Yeah. You know, I mean, it does seem as many of these, you know, these 20 or 30 that supposedly would vote to impeach Trump, who was a, uh, secret ballot, um, when you're going to impeach him and, and find him guilty, um, that might as well be a secret ballot because you don't have to worry about the ramifications, especially if he's gone. Um, it would be the uh, 20 others who didn't um, that might have to face it a year later. Um, but anyway, right. um, if if we're ready to move, let's go to our quick hits uh, here. Let's let's add the stock market uh, and the economy to that, um, and let's you know kind of stay around five minutes or less on on, on these quick hits. But let's. Let's let's jump into the market. Jim Cramer, others, um, Warren Buffett is supposedly pulling all his money out of the stock market. Um, uh, there's also been, you know, some of the talk is also that uh, the boomers who are retired and have to sell at least five percent of their retirement plans every year. 
um, that's yeah. mandated. Um, that that that's one of the things that's driving uh, market dumps um, every uh, you know late in the fall from October to December because they have to do it by the end of the year. Um, but it it does seem like there's you know the movement is coming for some sort of recession besides what Donald Trump is doing with China and it seems like every announcement that there might be an agreement um brings a boost every uh idea that there's um further stagnation in those negotiations brings another dip um you know with the combination of Trump and and his trade policies and just the facts that we have in the stock market over valuations, um, you know, people just trying to get out of the market just because they need to at the time. Uh, they want more cash or they're worried about a fall. Um, it does seem like the market's falling. Um, our ma- uh, manufacturing sector was down, um, which really kind of uh, uh, precipitated the most recent kind of uh, uh, downturn ideas. Um, you know, but it's not looking good um, and it doesn't look good for whoever wants to run. Um, uh, to um, you know, replace Trump, even if he is impeached and found guilty. Um, any ideas, any, any any thoughts on the economy and the stock market? Well, I mean, and I, again, it, it goes back to, I, we've talked about this many times, just in, in the past when he first was stalled in office, you know, Trump's approval rating should have been much higher based on the economy. And they've never risen really above 50% for reasons we've already talked about many times. So now between, you know, rocky economic news and just everything else he's facing, I think it's just for another reason for a lot of voters to just say, you know, no to this guy again. And especially if we really do go into full recession, GOP is going to be really be on the defensive. Uh, It'll be if it's Trump or, or if it turns out to be Mike Pence because Trump resigns, uh, or, you know, who knows, maybe it'll be another Republican, but whoever is going to be in that seat, they're going to have to run on a, you know, what may be, and, and we don't know, the economy could bounce back, but based on everything we're seeing, it's, that's looking slimmer and slimmer. You know, they're going to have to run on a, on a not great economic news. And we know with most voters, that's what counts first. Um, sometimes, you know, some presidential elections, I think in some ways, 2016 was different from that, despite all the quote unquote economic anxiety of Trump voters or some of them at least. But I, you know, it's, it's, it's all very worrisome because look, recessions hurt a lot of people. Um, I think, you know, some people, I don't know if anybody said, yeah, I'd love to see a big recession just to get rid of Trump. Nobody wants that because unfortunately a lot of people get hurt. And I, you know, it's, it's just, again, and, and you have, the problem is to, there's absolutely no confidence you know, with the executive branch in this country to do, to, to take measures that might stave off a recession or at least slow it down. I mean, even, you know, in 2008, as, as in bad a shape as his presidency was, George W. Bush took one or two Steps that I thought were effective. One was helping to bail out the auto industry. The other was uh, signing a, a, some tax relief for some bills that I think also helped. To, and I might be wrong on some of that to save it off. But and in the meantime, and really though, it, you know, by September fifteenth, the economy crashed. So, but at least he tried to do something to counter some of its effects. I, you know, I, I just I have absolutely no confidence that that Trump. We'll be able to do anything 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, to, I, to stop what's coming. And, and he is the main reason of why the economy is in the shape it is now because of a tax and cut that really we're, we're all going to end up paying for in the not too distant future. A trade war with China, which was extremely ill advised. And just among other things, this is, you know, again, you have pure, you know, incompetence at the top. And nobody around him to really do, you know, to stop him. So there's a reason why. I mean, and, you know, normally I'd say Wall Street and people in the, you know, the uh, economic news media tend to try to be optimistic, but they're not, you know, they're sure not sounding that way these days. Yeah, and you know, I, you know, just to kind of pile on with what you said, um, you're right. I mean, I I think if uh, Bush didn't have a Democratic Congress to kind of push back at him. Um, their tax cuts might have been even more extreme. I think it was a little bit of a uh, tax break, um, what they gave. You know, they gave some money back for people to spend money, um, you know, to keep, to keep the economy moving instead of everybody hoarding, and then it makes it worse. Um, but at the same time, um, the the level of tax cuts wasn't so great. Um, they weren't allowed to get to the levels they wanted um, to privatize Social Security, which is what Bush was trying to do at the beginning of his second term. Um, luckily, they didn't do all those things. Um, so he was saved by, I think, the other side to a certain level. Um, but again, like we talked about many times, what, what Trump has done during good times to lower taxes for um, wealthy people and corporations and create these deficits that we have at this point, um, it does it does make me scared for how we can increase domestic spending because we know modern economics, that's how you get us out of a recession. Government spends more, takes on debt. That they're, they're, they're supposed to pay down when times are good. Um, you know, Obama started getting to that point because he basically presided over a recession economy. That's why everybody could complain about his deficits. They were supposed to be high when you're trying to recover from a recession. By the time Trump got there, he was supposed to um, pay off the debt more so that uh, and not raise taxes at that period of time um, so that when the next recession came, we could we could go into debt. Um, and that's just the way federal governments work and should. Um, and so it scares me of what's going to happen um, on that level. Um, you know, we have to understand, like we talked about, the manufacturing bases are gone. They will stay gone until um, whoever is making the stuff, until the costs go up for them to be equated to what they are for us. And I don't want us to go to become a third world country. So um, that's just the way it has to be. It has to be goods and services. I mean, more services than goods. And, you know, we need to put it into where it needs to go. Um, innovation and technology is really the, the you know, the best uh, assets we have. But, you know, it does look like something's going to happen. We just hope it doesn't hurt too much. Again, I, I agree with exactly what you say. Um, no one ever wants a recession to, uh, to uh, reach political aims. Um, but sometimes they also show, um, you know, what's going on um, with a politician. And sometimes they can be blamed for it and sometimes they can't. Um, and and, and in this one, like you said, specifically the trade war, unnecessary. It's put more strain on the economy than when, what was needed. Um, and it might have hastened uh, the decline. Um, uh, anything else you want to talk about the stock market before we move over to, uh, well, I, I think it's Hong Kong? Real quick, again, you know, we're now we're we're also going to see, to see massive deficits because of those tax cuts and because Trump is just spending way too much money on stuff he doesn't need to, and including and I no offense because I understand they've been hurt by this, but these you know tens of billions of dollars in subsidies 
to farmers. And basically, again, because that's a big part of his voting base. Otherwise, I don't think Trump would give a damn right. about what's, what's happening to them. And and it's just so, yeah, again, you can you have, unfortunately, with with just a shaky economy and complete, you know, a completely incompetent and malignant individual at the helm. There's not a whole lot of reasons to hope that we can pull ourselves out of this right now. I'm sorry to say. Um, you know, we had next on the docket the uh, Maricopa County Assessor, but I said Hong Kong, so let's do the uh, Hong Kong situation first, and then we'll go to this uh, this 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 lovely elected politician in Arizona. Um, uh, again, uh, um, firmly sarcastic, um, but uh, Hong Kong, I thought might be done by now. Um, that there either the people would be satisfied, the government would give in or crack down. Um, but it stayed kind of business as usual. To the credit, I you know I want to give you know at least the Chinese government credit to this point. I thought they would go in there with uh, nightsticks and guns blazing and tanks firing. Um, if they would have kept it up, they haven't. Um, they still say everything's on the table. I think they're giving them a chance. Um, but you know you have to give it to the power to those people there, uh, the power they're wielding because they are the people. Um, you know, them banning fa- uh, masks, so them wearing masks, them telling them that they can't go in or, or bar the, the airport, and they did it again anyway. It's like, um, yeah. it's, it's you know, the courage of the people to say, we're not going to do this anymore. We've decided. And again, this is why it's a, it's a quick hit. But, you know, we've talked about it, and you've mentioned it, you know, many times, and I'm 100% you know, behind you like I was but before. Um, but just the courage of these people to stand up and say, look, we've been free. We know what freedom is. We're not going back. We're going to go forward. Um, you know, to me, I just got to give them, you know, all the credit. Um, and, you know, I, you know, whatever kind of damage that ends up happening from this, because obviously no, I, neither side is backing down at this point. So there's going to have to be some sort of capitulation on one side or the other at some point. Um, and, you know, I just hope that the government finally says, okay, we're going to let them do what they want and, and let the chips fall where they may, because, you know, democratizing China, uh, you know, truly not this little fake game that they play is really where, you know, the, you know, the, I guess the, you know, the nexus is to the whole China argument to the whole China trade disparity. It really lies in, um, bringing enlightened principles to, um, that country. Right. And I mean, look, China's always been tricky because in the sense, the attitude when, you know, it opened up to capitalism and, and manufacturing, et cetera, that, oh, that tends to democratize the country. Well, as we've seen with China, that's just not the case. And unlike with the Soviet Union, China doesn't have to change because the Soviet Union was basically broke, you know, by the time, the time Gorbachev became its leader and said, hey, things are not working anymore. We've got to make changes or we're not going to make it. Uh, and for better or worse, that's what happened. But as we've seen with China, it just there's absolutely no incentive nor any reason for it to to evolve and to have a more democratic open government. I, you know, not to go into this too much when if you've been following the controversy with the you know National Basketball Association and and, yes, you know, players yes, or managers yes. have spoken out on. Uh, you know, the 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 events in Hong Kong or elsewhere and how the NBA has capitulated to the Chinese government. Um, money talks. You know, that's one you know, universal sad truth about, uh, you know, life in the modern world. Um, but I, I do think, again, it, you know, the, the protesters of Hong Kong have been an inspiration 
because they just refuse to back down. And that's the thing with, you know, freedoms without sounding too corny about it. Once people have them, you know, they're not willing to really give them up very easily. Mm -hmm. And let's bring it back to our country with the resistance and the, the anger against the Trump administration that's been going on for nearly three years now. Uh, numerous protests. And I, one of the reasons, too, let's not kid ourselves that the Democrats have moved on impeachment at all is because of public pressure. They've been hearing from their constituents in town halls. They've been flooded with phone calls, with emails, with people saying it's time to hold this guy accountable and you need to do it. And so it, it just goes to show, be it here, Hong Kong, uh, you know, you've had protests in Russia, speaking of, you've had protests you know, we saw them in Puerto Rico. We've seen them elsewhere. When the public shows up and when they speak out, you know, good things can happen. Or at least, you know, the march towards autocratic rule is slowed quite a bit. And so it's it, it's just a fascinating and I think hopeful thing to watch. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I just keep hoping every day I don't wake up in the morning and, 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 and uh, read the news and find out. Uh, there's been a massacre, um, and, and that's that's well, my biggest fear not. every day. Um, lately, is you know, there's been guns drawn for several weeks now, so you know, it only takes one bad yeah. moment. Um, you know, and luckily most of the people don't have guns, so they have to be peaceful. Um, yeah. Let's uh, move to this. Um, as I as I as I said, you know, completely sarcastically, this wonderful Maricopa County assessor again, a guy. Uh, one of those secondary offices that runs for county um, in, in Phoenix. Um, you know, most people n- never knew the guy before. Uh, an attorney runs for assessor. It's just kind of one of those things. Uh, obviously, a Republican to win assessor in Maricopa County here. Um, using the ties between the Marshall Islands to bring women here, um, lying that they're pregnant and in order for, to get them here so that then they can give birth here and then the children can be adopted by Americans. Um, you know, I don't know what to say uh, besides, you know, reprehensible, I guess, is, is I guess the first word. Um, but then it goes into all these other things, all these other issues we have in this country, um, um, you know, bringing people here, uh, some people going along with it at the time, other people's not. Um, then maybe later complaining. Uh, I don't know what the situations all these people have to go into, but also somebody's adopting all these children. Um, the questions they're asking. Um, it's just, it's right. just, it's just a, I, you know, I'm not blaming anybody but this gentleman at this point because, you know, when you're the originator and you're then finding people to bring and trying to skirt the law because they can come into the United States to work um, but not to give birth. Um, you know, all of that is just, you know, kind of reprehensible, but it goes into this adoption program. We have more people that aren't, can't, or, or, or aren't willing to have their own. They want children so bad. They're not figuring out what's going on, how much he's been taking away from these people. Um, you know, what maybe he's doing to these other, I mean, I, I, I assume that most of the mothers at some point in time are doing it, um, agreeably. Um, maybe they don't like the way they were treated, but they wanted the money. Um, and unfortunately people are in those situations and it's sad that we get into those situations in this country. Um, we're in this world, I think, you know, that, 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 that it just doesn't happen that, you know, people can easily just keep their own children. Um, but it does. Uh, but the whole thing is just one of those sad situations, I think. Um, 
you know, whatever is going on, you know, if he wasn't a county assessor, probably wouldn't go on as high. But at the same time, it's one of those minor offices that people don't pay attention to. I'm sure there was not even a story written about it in our newspaper of record here. There might have been one or two. No one going into in-depth on this guy. Um, it's sad that he could be elected to office and still be doing those sorts of things. Um, but it's just, it's just a black eye, I think on, on, on obviously him and just, you know, the, the, the area, the culture that we live in, um, you know, and what goes on, it's just, you know, a lot, it just turns my stomach. Um, but so Fine. that's about all I got. Well, I, I, again, I, What's interesting is he was elected as assessor, and yet he was also operating an adoption law firm. I'm thinking, you know, pick one or the other. <laughs> I mean, you have a job, an important one. I mean, the assessor job isn't sexy, but nevertheless, it's an important part of yeah, any well, you know, you know, a lot of these county, county of- government. A lot of these county offices, you don't. If you're a business owner, you don't have to give up your business. It's not like being the president. And I'm sure that you know that that's the deal. You know that was his law firm, and he's not going to end it. Who knows? In four years, he might not have it, so you don't get rid of your business. I understand that to a certain level. However, the fact that you're doing illegal things is inexcusable. Exactly, and it's. I just, I, 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 I think if the last few years have shown us anything, it's there just there needs to be serious top to bottom reform in how our government functions, who's in it, and what the rules are for them. Uh, you know, I, I just don't think somebody who's got a job like that for the county, you know, the most. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maricopa is the most populous county it is. in Arizona. It is, yes. You know, millions of people live there, and they depend on government services. And that includes the assessor. You know, somebody who's running it should be someone not involved in activity, you know, involving, you know, questionable adoption, uh, you know, from the Marshall Islands. Um, I'm sorry, just as an aside, I, this, even though it's not the same thing, but you're sort of reminded of what's been happening with migrant children. Again, mm-hmm. different matter, those of, of families who've been Stopped at the border, of course, have been put into, you know, in, into holding camps. Right. And as we've we've read and seen stories, some of these kids have been adopted out, or there's been interest, which just, you know, is disgusting for so many reasons because their parents aren't giving them up. You know, they're you know they're having their kids taken away from them and then given to another family. That's just another evil from the Trump administration that this country's going to have to wrestle with for a long time to come. Uh, and, and I just hope with this Peterson person, obviously, look, he's been charged. I mean, turn out to be a huge misunderstanding. We'll see. You know, obviously he's going to have his day in court, but you know, clearly if he's found guilty, you know, certainly one hopes he pays a price for that because it just, again, this was a story when I, I came upon it the other day, I, you're just sitting there, your first reaction is, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, such you know, are the times that we're – go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and, you know, I agree with you, and, and you know, we hope that we can figure this out. And, you know, the good thing is that um, when somebody found out what was going on, it didn't matter what he was doing and, uh, you know, what his job was. No one cared. Um, he he got arrested right. like everybody else. Um, and, and that's, you know, something to remember when we're talking about impeachment. I think no one's above the law, a county assessor, that's nor right. the president, no one. 
Um, you know, and, and following the, you know, the DPS, uh, Arizona Department of Public Safety also coming out, admitting that there was one of their officers that was, you know, pulling women over in order to get sexual favors from them. Um, you know, um, you know, again, another thing that sucks, but the, you know, the thing that you, the bright side on it was DPS said, okay, we found this stuff out. This guy's getting the book thrown at him, you know, and, and, you know, at some point you have to say, we're never going to live in a perfect world. And we hope when we find out about these cretins that they get, they get what's, what's due. Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean, uh, because the perfect world, um, is going to be, uh, hard to find. Um, but when we find them, we need to do what we can do. Um, to more dark times, unfortunately, um, and specific, I mean, we're talking literal dark times, which is going on in California. Um, you yeah. haven't been subject to a rolling blackout yet, um, or a planned blackout, or scheduled yet. blackout, or whatever they're planning on talking, or whatever term they want to put right. on it. But it's mainly in Northern California, the areas around San Francisco, Sacramento, um, because of um, the fires a couple years ago, and because of that record setting, I think it was $3 billion that they were forced to pay. Um, it, they're doing these these planned blackouts when when uh, uh, winds get too high um, so that the power lines don't go down and start more fires. Um, what's the general feeling? Obviously, you're in Southern California, not Northern California, but you're still in that, that, that whole ecosystem there. What's, you know... What are people talking about, at least in Southern California, who who the Santa Ana winds are going to get there eventually, right? And they're talking about that might happen to your region. Um, what's the feeling? And uh, you know, the one time I went and visited a family member there, um, and there was a problem in Arizona, which knocked out ca- uh, power to Southern California. Again, I'll take credit for that while I, ha- while I happened to be driving there. But anyway, the point was, it was the creepiest thing I had ever seen Southern California. It was like um, driving through an episode of The Walking Dead when there was no lights. Um, it's a very, huh. it's very spooky, especially when they're doing it. Somebody had put up a sign saying, warning dead ahead, you know, so it made it even worse. Um, but it is... You know, is that feeling, is there a fear, do you think, among, you know, those are in your community? Um, and and well, how, how, is this the long-term solution, and you think this is now the new normal for California? I I mean, it seems to be, and, and this is tied in some ways also to climate change concerns, because California's, you know, wildfires have been getting worse over the last 10 years, just because the, the, you know, the forest environment is, is changing. So, you know, this phenomenon is, isn't it, it, you know, wasn't the whole problem with raking leaves? I'm sorry. I have to throw another sarcastic (laughs) comment from Trump. Because we never, they never do that here. Um, But that's, you know, again, you know, a global concern is also a local one. And, um, you know, having lived now through several major wildfires myself, it, it is scary. You, you mentioned, you know, about fear. I don't know how much fear, but certainly people in the S- Southern California area are a little nervous right now. We're going into what's called for this weekend with higher temperatures, a red, fla- red flag warning. And that means with Santa Ana winds, there's a much higher danger with, with wildfire breaking out. And like I said, I lived through the Rich Creek, Rich, Rich Creek fire, excuse me, in 2007. And that within a matter of hours, the day that happened in October, John, half the county was on fire. And it, it just, it was terrifying. And 
So this is just, this is becoming, you know, as you said, it's becoming a reality. It's certainly right now just affecting the Bay Area uh, of California, i.e., you know, San Francisco and all the surrounding communities like Oakland, Moraga, and Marin, and a lot of others. But, you know, you're talking 8 million people who live up there. So, you know, this is a major metropolitan area. Um with, you know, lots of jobs at stake, and you know, California's economy is the fifth largest on Earth. Uh, so there's there's a lot to, that can be, you know, harmed in this, Not never mind just the inconvenience to people and their concerns, you know, or just trying to live their lives or whether or not it's going to affect, you know, say, medical treatments or things like that. Um, it's, it's also what this could do in the long run to the state's economy. Now, you know, we're just dealing, dealing with a period of this for a few days, but Still, I mean, the fall season has just started, and fall season is when wildfire danger is really the highest often in in, in the state. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just been kind of a strange week here, and I, I really feel for the people up in the Bay Area. Yeah. I've talked to some who've been affected by it. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I, I know right now for most Americans, California is not on the radar given all the other craziness that's going on. Um, but you're also talking about a state that has a heck of a lot of tourists visiting it all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there are a lot of repercussions here. Yeah. I, I just, you know, we can only hope maybe, you know, it's a, it's not a high fire season. Uh, and, and that this leaves a lot, you know, alleviates a lot of these concerns. I, I just don't know. This is, you know, just started within the last week. I, I, I think that, you know, the reviews are kind of mixed with how PG&E, which is the main, you know, power supplier for up north in the state, is handling it for the L.A. area at Southern California Edison, and then where I am at San Diego Gas and Electric. And so, you know, we'll uh, we'll just see how they, they approach this and, frankly, how the, you know, city governments do and, and you, know, the, you know, the state government as well. Yeah. You know, and it is, there's a, you know, there's a lot on the line here. Right. And, and you know, as you mentioned, um, there's, there, there's an element that, 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 that ties into climate change here, but it's also, you know, a political and, and, and corporate one, um, mm, that, that, uh, you know, we're talking about a lot of, uh, century old technology, um, wires and, uh, that are, that are, you know, 50, 60 years old. Um, you know, hanging off of poles that are 75 years old. Um, and, you know, that's where most of these issues are happening when why they're turning the power off. Um, you know, how we maintain a grid when they're continually trying to expand. But how do you maintain the old ones? How do you maintain it to areas that never panned out, but they still need electric? Um, maybe we look at a new electric grid, um, how we move power. Do we always do it on poles above the ground? Um, there's a lot of elements to everything that we're talking about here that I think, you know, with regulations and, and, and other ways that they invest in keeping up their infrastructure is just as important as anything else. And I think that there's been um, there's probably a lot that the uh, that the that the uh, California Assembly is going to be doing, I think, uh, moving forward. I think a lot that 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 Newsom's going to want to do. Um, I don't think it's it's very happy times for state government at this point. And. Um, You know, what that means for the, um, you know, these uh, private and or semi-private utilities, um, you know, there might be ramifications down the line because there needs to be solutions made so that we don't go back to, um, you know, 19th century kind of living um, when we live in the 21st. It's just, 
um, you know, we need power to be reliable and there needs to be solutions for that. And no matter where they get to, I think there's going to be more policy that has to, um, you know, discuss this sort of thing. And, you know, whether there's fires related to what's going on in Northern California, which is why they're doing it. Um, the same situation happens in, in uh, the northeastern states where they have ice and pa- people just lose power because the investment in the in the uh, grid infrastructure um, there uh, is just not there. And, 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 and poles are more likely to fail. Lines are more likely to fall down. Um, so there's got to be something that, you know, government always regulates a lot of these things. Uh, city codes are one of the greatest things about our country. And as much as you know, Republicans want to say that they hate regulation. Go to a third world country where there's no building codes and tell me how much you like uh, governmental regulation. Um, so there's certain roles yeah. that government plays. And, and I think that's really where the politics meets meets this issue, I think, is 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 how you do that moving forward. Um, uh, because, you know, you have to do safety levels. But what do you have to do in order to avoid there to be blackouts? Um I think is, is, is the important question here. And hopefully it's one that we start to address. Right. I mean, the other thing I'll just say, because you're, you, you made a lot of great points, but also there's a political angle here. And to take people back to, say, 2001, 2002, uh, and this was connected to the Enron scandal, you know, because of, of how California's power grid was being handled, you had major brownouts. And, of course, that led to the recall election of the then-Governor Gray Davis and then Arnold Schwarzenegger, some unknown movie, movie actor we've never heard of, uh-huh, uh, became governor uh, until 20, you know, 10, 2011. So, yeah, again, the, you know, this, it, you know, we saw what happened when you had the wrong decisions made on something as important as, you know, public utilities. So, I, you know, it's like I said, yeah, Newsom's got, you know, he and, and you know, his colleagues in state government, they're, you know, they've got some difficult choices to make with this. Karen, again, thanks so much. We've run out of time. We've come to our end today. We ran out of topics to talk about, too. But we want to thank you all for listening, as always. Thanks for being regular listeners. Thanks for, feed, you know, giving us the feedback that you do. Really appreciate it. And, Karen, as always, I appreciate your time. And um, just hope that uh, we can find the time next week, which I hope that we will. Same here. Thank you, John, and appreciate uh, all those listeners out there. We'll talk at you next time, everybody. Thanks. Bye.